Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed. This is the big show, the main show, the news and cues portions of our fleet. I'm Ken Napson. I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and I love the idea that news and cues would be the actual name of a ship in a fleet. <laughs> That's not, it's, especially some of the great High Republic names we're being uh, introduced to. Like, you know, I'm on, the, on board the news and cues. Yeah. It's an information ship. Yeah, exactly. It's an information ship, but then also questions implies like not only are we delivering news, but uh, also if you know if you have any questions, we'll we'll load them up in the cargo bay and we'll take them to whoever needs them. It's a research sh- ship, indeed. Yeah, okay. 
I want this in our Star Wars, uh, in real Star Wars now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we can even, uh, you know, put out a survey and have uh, have people in the galaxy uh, name the ship, you know, just like the whole uh, Bodie McBoatface incident. <laughs> Bodie McBoatface. That will work out. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, well, everybody, welcome to this show. A lot of fun, a lot of things to get to. Ed, as always, news that broke last week after we uploaded our episode because that's the way it is we got some great questions all coming your way but before we get to it today's podcast is brought to you by audible get a free audiobook download my friends and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash force center over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iphone android kindle or mp3 player yeah and, sorry and was i i <laughs> i had hash browns this morning joseph if you want to have an overshare of information for you in the audience. Got my got my throat. Uh, but that's not all. Audible is not all. We have more. That's right. We have an offer for hash browns. No, uh, someday. Someday we'll have a hash brown offer. Uh, but this week and every week, we have an offer from Inside Editions. They are a publisher of a ton of great Star Wars books. Inside Editions is offering 35% off across their website with a special four-centered code. And you can get a discount by entering that code, which is FC35. Or you can visit the website with the specific link, insideditions.com slash discount slash FC35. Thirty-five. Uh, this week, we are continuing to recommend a, a new book that's coming out on May 4th. I think this is going to be a, a really great book. I think it's going to be a really great Star Wars day of May 4th. This book is Star Wars colon galactic baking. It's got recipes like Mustafarian molten lava cakes, Cloud City marshmallows, Life Day cake, Lothcat kibble, which I think is for humans, but it might mm. be for animals. I don't know yet. And of course, mm. a Keshian spice bread, a Dagobah bog pie. <laughs> uh, which I'm sure is delicious, uh, but also sounds like maybe uh, an insult that you that someone in the Star Wars universe would would call someone else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am uh, intrigued by this Lothcat kibble now because one, it could be for my Chihuahua down the line, or two, I uh, I asked this in my own uh, personal Discord not too long ago. Uh, what? Uh, who's tried dog food <laughs> in their life? And I was one of those kids that was like. Well, it looks good for the dog. Let me try it. <laughs> Not an incident. Uh, so uh, I might be trying it anyway. Either way you cook it. That's right. I will make it for our, our my imaginary pet and set it out. In fact, my wife uh, picked up a, uh, a loath cat uh, at the last time we were at Target. Uh, so we I can <laughs> make go. a weird TikTok video of the stuffed loath cat eating the loath cat kibble. Anyway, uh, yeah. check out Inside Editions. Ton of great Star Wars books. Uh, in particular, Star Wars Galactic Baking. The code is FC35. All right. Use that on us, man. We're trying to give you all these sweet offers offers to dive more into Star Wars because we love you all here, our Force Center friends. We like to catch up to uh, Life Adventures, Star Wars Adventures. Uh, we are past... Uh, what is it, about a year, uh, Joseph, roughly, that's been this uh, lockdown in SoCal and, and to varying degrees, and it's changed and waned and a lot of discussion about it. I get it. But for the most part, you and I have been hunkered down and our voices across Zoom have been the only comforts and the only connection to the outside world. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's so many different way, words for it. Uh, stay at home, lockdown, uh, going through the pandemic, uh, safer at home. Uh, I like hunkering. <laughs> hunkering. hunkering did you live yeah. through the great hunkering uh young yeah. people will say to us someday I'm like yeah hunkered yeah. Uh, hunkered yeah. for over a year uh yeah it, it is it's really a fascinating time to be getting into the all the little anniversaries right i think we might have mm -hmm. passed the anniversary of the last day that you and i recorded in person 
or yeah. maybe we're just about to. But I know for me, a couple of days from now, March 10th, uh, I is just seared in my memory. I had a meeting with my friend Laser about shows. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I stopped at a Target and almost bought an action figure, but didn't. <laughs> and then uh, went out in the evening with a couple friends and enough was swirling around then of like I had that in the back of my mind of is this my last day in the world for a while and then the fact that it was the last day just yeah. totally you know yeah because I even remember like I want to take a picture of that funny C-3PO action figure but I shouldn't touch it just in case just in case <laughs> don't just touch 3PO just in case kids uh, so yeah I'm glad that there is definitely a light at the end of the tunnel with all mm-hmm. the uh, the vaccines out there so I am hopeful uh, for less hunkering in the future love to hunker down less though it's also a little bit I've learned my natural state I'm okay with this a little bit of Luke on Octo though the lesson was Luke shouldn't have stayed on Octo so maybe that's a lesson for me to do as well <laughs> uh, any uh, good Star Wars Life Adventures uh, among, uh, amongst all the anniversaries yeah, you know, uh, today, today, uh, that, that's Freudian. I was going to say last week was a little rough, and I started saying today. <laughs> you know, today is going to be a little rough. Um, I don't know. I hope not. Anyway, last week was a little rough, just a, a lot of stuff going on uh, along with the world. But, you know, this was my weird Star Wars adventure. I didn't really, I didn't have any real Star Wars adventures outside of uh, reading Into the Dark, uh, which we're going to be oh, yeah. discussing, a great Claudia Gray High Republic book. Uh but it was kind of fascinating that, you know, the fun MCU journey uh, with mm-hmm. WandaVision, uh, which I think is so tied to Star Wars because, you know, Star Wars and MCU are both kind of uh, doing this big entry into what is going to be the new world of this kind of franchise uh, storytelling and world building because of Disney Plus. And there's the big finale of WandaVision. Yeah. which I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the whole series. I thought the finale was great. Um, and then uh, there was this great conversation that emerged about expectations versus just enjoying what the show told you. The I can't remember who, uh, so I apologize for not having the exact information, but either the director or the showrunner had a quote floating around of saying like, I hope people aren't, disappointed because they got all of these predictions about who's going to pop up this means this and we're just going to finish telling our story and i hope people aren't uh, disappointed i just thought it was really great to see uh the conversation that people were having and really connecting it to star wars and uh, a couple of people kindly connecting it to to the way we try to talk about stuff of Mm -hmm. you know this is why we have speculate responsibly this is why we say you know uh, about you know in particular I, i think I started bringing it up in, in terms of my journey with the prequels of once I yeah. finally stopped rewriting them in the head to be make to make them be the way I thought they were going to be. That's when I really enjoyed them. And they opened up like beautiful little flowers because yeah. I engaged with the story I was presented with. And it, mm. I, there was that conversation has been active in the Star Wars community because yeah. of the high expectations and predictions when it comes to uh, the sequel trilogy movies in particular. Um but it was great to see because of WandaVision, it was almost like the fever broke and the conversation became a, a big cross-cultural one. That's a great way to see it. That's kind of what I've been feeling too. Uh, and someone who, who has not yet watched uh, uh, WandaVision for, for no big reasons other than um, the dealing with grief is uh, it's, it's a big topic in our house right now. So we're, we're waiting on that one. Um, Understandably. Um, but um, 
Yeah, I, the fever breaking, and and not that I'm like, ha, finally it's hit other areas, but just like these are good conversations. Uh, so fascinated by uh, you, you bring that up. I think I think it was uh, interesting to kind of watch this weekend, and 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 all this this all nine episodes of One Division it started to build. It seemed. Yeah, yeah, and I think it. Uh, so I was really really uh, happy for that. That I think a, a lot of people were really on board with the like, yeah, it's great if you predict a character might show up, but we're watching it for the characters that we know are there <laughs> not yeah. for the ones who might show up yeah yeah no i had a lot of and look once once art is out of the box it's maybe your art to interact with so uh you can find inspirations or you'd be disappointed with just be hurt by parts of the story i think those are all valid conversations some i've had in the last couple of weeks as friends offline um, I'm there for all of that, but I also think just in terms of Star Wars, man, it's uh, it, uh, our pal Mark Riley keeps saying it's like a, it's like a fine wine that just keeps uh, not just getting better with age, but opening up to you different flavors, <laughs> different different uh, hints of this, hints of that, and and I, I love you in Star Wars like a fine glass or bottle of wine. I think that's great. I think I, I, I celebrate it when somebody's like, you know, I took another sip of Attack the Clones and I really appreciated the uh, the undernotes of dark cherry. Great. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> uh, so, what were your uh, life or Star Wars adventures? Did you uh, did you sip some Star Wars wine? Um, other than the the Force Center work, which is so funny, I think I know you and I refer to it as that, and it's it's great work, great work if you can get it, kids. Um, but uh, yeah, working with uh, Light of the Jedi, or excuse me, well, w- well, technically working with Light of the Jedi. Anytime you read a High Republic book, it goes back to that, I think. But uh, Into the Dark. Um, uh, just, we're going to review it on Thursday. Well, we say review, but really discuss it. I mean, it is, uh, it's a really phys- philosophical book among many other fun and zippy things too. But, uh, so it just got me thinking a lot, a lot about life, a lot about star Wars and had some good discussions too off air with some folks. I, I won't, uh, I won't, uh, reveal their names, uh, lest they, uh, you know, face scorn because they are bigger in the star Wars community, but having just a discussion about how we take in star Wars and how that's changed matured grown and just not right or wrong but just become different for a lot of us a big departure point for me was last jedi even though thanks in large parts of the conversations you jennifer and i were having on force center uh, and even jedi alliance I've, I've talked about before just starting to engage with force awake it's a little bit different than i did going into the movie rogue one too but by last jedi you just you were faced with what that movie was trying to do and um how much change and it's really been highlighted by you and i going on the clone wars journey yeah. And seeing episodes that I remember loving, but then loving them now in a different way. Or remember going, God, not that episode. And now just going, man, how did I miss all this? <laughs> and not to beat myself up, but just it's, it's grown. And so that's just been fun. And and that was my Star Wars Adventures Week, having kind of those discussions off air with with uh, a good friend in the in the Star Wars business of just like uh, you can't deny it's it's changed. And not saying we're right and they're wrong, but then that's why. I communicate about Star Wars less with some of the people in my past because we just we're not talking about the same thing sometimes. And that's not bad on them and good on me. It's just what, what we're, we're at a different table. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think it's it, it does. It goes back to choice, which is, you know, such a great Star Wars theme of um, if you really wanted it to be a specific way and, and it wasn't. And, mm-hmm. you know, you can choose to be upset about that. You can choose to, you know discuss it and write some fan fiction and process your feelings, uh, you know, or you can choose to just go like, uh, okay, that expectation, you know, doesn't matter what, what's in the thing in front of me that, that I love and what can I find uh, joy in, in, in that thing in front of me. It's all choices and degrees of choices. Yeah. 
Choices in Star Wars, pretty valuable. So honestly, not to get deep and philosophical, but that's also kind of what we love doing here over at times. We also love having silly stuff, um, but that's kind of my Star Wars adventure last week. Uh, less playing with toys and uh, more uh, discussing what Star Wars means and, and how it changes over the course. <laughs> yes, we had a philosophical toy time. <laughs> yes. Yes. Though I'll tell you what, I still I, I finished that Y wing uh, for my Lego build this weekend, and that Moroff minifig is just climbing the charts as my favorite Lego minifig for Star Wars. So, oh, that Fun. is so great! That's so great. Yeah, the so Star Wars and life adventures uh, uh, to be had uh, anywhere you look. We're going to dive into Star Wars news, and we're leading off with something, Joseph. That as is the way, just the way our recording schedule is, and we kind of can't really change that recording schedule with other <laughs> other things going on in our lives and careers. Um, but this one was actually after our episode was Tuesday morning. I believe it really kind of came out. We record on Mondays, release episodes Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, this one uh, broke and nothing we could do but discuss it now. And that is Kenobi adds Indira Varma to the cast. This is one of those not confirmed but comes from a pretty legit source. Deadline had the exclusive first saying that the uh, actor probably best known for her high-profile roles in Game of Thrones is Ilaria Sand, and Rome, among other things, is reportedly set to join Kenobi in an undefined role. So that's kind of it. It's kind of the story, Joseph. That's it. It just expires a lot of uh, expectations, but also thoughts and speculations, hopes. Uh, so let's dive into Indira Varma, another Game of Thrones actor joining the Star Wars universe. What do you think? Yeah, no, I she is a great actor from everything that I've seen, so I'm thrilled that she's cast. That's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, and again, generally trust it because it's from Deadline. No solid confirmation from Lucasfilm or the actor yet. Uh, not even any sneaky tweets that I'm aware of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Winking at, at this being true. So I really hope it's true because I think uh, she's just great in Game of Thrones. Um, yeah, I think, I know that there is the fan reaction conversation was uh, immediately uh is she Satine or not which i think is kind of a a complex uh conversation um mm -hmm. i think my main reaction to that is i'd love for Satine to appear but you know i think that would be limited to a flashback uh yeah. is my guess i don't personally uh want uh, Satine to come back to life but <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of feel like um I would like uh, an actor uh, of Indira Verma's caliber to have a larger role uh, than what I think Satine might be. I, of course, <laughs> given all our conversations about expectations, uh, could be wrong and will happily throw all of these opinions uh, mm. out the window. So I, I think that's the thing for me is I'm not too caught up in this Satine conversation. Yeah. Like, again, I, I think it's a little delicate and complex, uh, for lots of different reasons. But I kind of just hope that she's, I, I don't know. I, I think this is what I'm responding to, Ken, is yeah. I totally understand the fan desire when a big name is cast to go, ooh, which known character could right. they be playing? And sometimes there's something that just leads you to that, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but I feel like for a great actor like her, like there are so many different characters who might be needed in this story, you know, is, is she a, a rebel working closely with Bail Organa? You know, is she uh, some smuggler who, who gets Kenobi off of Tatooine? Is she a moisture farmer that he hangs out with at the bar? Is she a bounty hunter looking for Kenobi? Is, you know, she an Imperial who helps tell the Vader side of the story? You know, is she a frustrated 
senator, you know, within the imperial machinery. There's so many different figures that she could be, you know, that I, I that stuff is almost more fun for me to speculate about than is she going to play a character I already know? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. And look, it's 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 fun. You 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 definitely go down that path and 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 go back to some of our deeper conversations to start the show, or even just our teeth t-shirt speculate uh, responsibly comes from a hey, this is part of the fun and the passion of being a fan. But you know, watch where it goes, all that kind of stuff. But look, um, I, I I love her as a performer. I, you know, my love of Game of Thrones shines through in almost every conversation I have. I apologize <laughs> for that, folks. Uh, I, I love uh, Ilaria Sand, and even though even the show, some of the producers and writers and Brian Cogman and everyone kind of admitted like Dorn was a hard story to pull off. We almost sometimes wish we didn't because we just we just that's a, a whole nother book. <laughs> it literally is a whole book for Feast for Crows is like, cool, put Westeros aside and we're going to go down to Dorn, which is part of Westeros, of course, and give you an entire new world. And and she had so little time after season four, but what she brought to those moments uh, was spectacular. And I, I got to tell you that I don't want to ever, I don't like pigeonholing performers, um, but some of the, any kind of Kenobi getting not necessarily love interest or someone to be a potential love interest. Um, I don't want to just put her in that role because also part of what I loved about Ilaria Sand was her uh, kind of finding herself and, and and taking charge in Dorne, whether right or wrong, whether it led to good or bad things. There was some some great stuff in there that I, she she brought forth of, of just trying to be a, a, a power, a woman of power in this in that in that brutal world. And I think there was some complexity she brought to that. So I'd love to see that a Rebel Alliance character, all those kind of stuff. I also, I can't lie, Joseph, the, the idea of the uh, part of the story being the last temptation of Kenobi, uh, so to speak, is intriguing, too. Uh, whether or not she'd be that that performer, I think she'd be compelling in it. Um, not just because of, you know, Ilaria Sands also a you know, sexy character and Oberyn Martell's a sexy character. Is that kind of uh, sensational stuff? I, I think she could be a simple moisture farmer. <laughs> Kenobi's kind of like, man, and, 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 and that could be interesting to the story if they go that way, too. Also, you know, Re- Rebecca Jackson Mendoza was Breha Organa in Revenge of the Sith. She's actually about the same age as Indira Varma. Um, I don't know why, you know, but but if there's any time that's going to be spent on Alderaan, mm. um, Breha Organa is an interesting character, too. Um, so I don't want to fan cast someone in place of another uh, working <laughs> performer like Rebecca Jackson Mendoza. Um, but that's an option for me, too, if you want to go to that kind of route. Um, but 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 that leads me to also what you were kind of saying of like some sort of leader, some sort of power in the galaxy or someone trying for power uh, could be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think what, you, what you're saying, I, I hope uh, I hope Brea, uh, that'd be great if we got some some quality on screen Brea time. Uh, but I really love what you're saying about just, uh, you know, who, who she might who 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 does the narrative need? Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we've had great fun speculating about uh, could Kenobi commune with Qui-Gon? Could Kenobi remember uh, that mm-hmm. Padme's last words were hope for Anakin? Could he have flashbacks to the Clone Wars and we'd see Hayden Christensen as Anakin? Could a Ahsoka mm-hmm. pop up also in a in a flashback or all that? You know, that there's still something uh, n- possibly needed where he has somebody who doesn't know his history who he has to talk with yeah and redefine himself in somebody else's eyes you know whether that is a moisture farmer or a smuggler getting him off a planet or a a rebel leader who you know doesn't know anything about him never met him you know whatever it is i think there is a lot of potential for 
uh, who, who is this character who sees him from the outside right now? Yeah, that's a, that, that's a great challenge to the character, you know, it's just this old space wizard hiding in the desert. What does that look like? And, who, and how, what he's able to learn about himself or see about himself through someone else's, that's, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. And that could be, that could be so many characters, but potentially someone so powerful. Yeah. But, uh, overall, just really hope this is true. I think she's great. Yeah. Totally, totally big fan myself. So, uh, next story here. Uh, not a lot. One of those what I call wonderfully slow news days, which means probably uh, Ryan Jackson's trilogy will get uh, Ryan John Ryan Jackson Ryan Johnson's trilogy will get confirmed and announced moments after this episode drops. Um, uh, <laughs> Skywalker uh, led the Saturn Award nominations uh, this uh, some over the weekend. Saturn Awards covering a, a period going back to uh, summer 2019 into early 2021, which is why it's being announced now. Uh, 12 total nominations. I'll start running through uh, that list here. But also, additionally, Mando got nominated for Best Television Presentation, Giancarlo Esposito for Best Guest Star and Performance, and Clone Wars for Best Animated Series. So, Joseph, what jumps out for you? Uh, these uh, nominations, no doubt, Rise of Skywalker, a, f- a film that elicits opinions. Uh as do most Star Wars things these days. Um, <laughs> but I want to uh, get your th- feelings on all the nominations, and especially things like editing and costuming and, and all the effects noms. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm extremely happy to see a lot of nominations. Uh, obviously, there are extremely strong opinions about Rise of Skywalker, but no surprise, while, uh, while we uh, have our, our critiques in general, we're big fans of the film. So, yeah, always happy to see the costuming, the makeup, the visual effects, you know, you watch those behind the scenes things. Uh, you know, there's a good documentary on the rise of Skywalker, uh, home releases. And to just see the sheer volume of effort and thought and artistry and passion, you know, I, I you see every once in a while, you know, on Twitter, sometimes, you know, cause star Wars is for everyone. And, you know, there are people who've grown up with it and star Wars means a lot to them, but they, they don't uh, have podcasts or listen to a bunch of podcasts. And yeah. sometimes I'll see a friend like that who like, or just like, you know, doesn't like the sequels, which is absolutely fine, but just kind of get, uh, get in that headspace of, you know, like soulless corporate products and like, uh, uh, there is nothing but soul coming off of the the mm. costume and the makeup, uh, you know, uh, and, and all of those hardworking people who I think that's true of all everybody involved, but mm. uh, actors, writers, directors. But really, sometimes when I see tweets like that, I was like, watch this documentary and tell me this person working their ass off to make the mm-hmm. a beautiful, weird Star Wars creature that gives them joy and emotion that it's a soulless endeavor. <laughs> Yeah, and that's folks like Michael Kaplan with the best costume, and, you know, uh, Amanda Knight, Neil Scanlon for film makeup, all the visual effects, uh, including Neil Scanlon, uh, Patrick Tubak, Dominic Tuhi, and Roger Guillet. Um, I mean, that's that's just a yeah, you're so they're they're you know putting their 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 life's work into this stuff. I particularly enjoy Michael Kaplan, particularly in the Last Jedi talk, the director of the Jedi, because he just he's so that moment you and I talked about of him just kind of fighting Ryan or just saying, well, we've never done that before. <laughs> and Ryan saying, well, we're doing it now. And then he succeeds <laughs> and the joy to see him succeed and the praise and the Canto bite stuff and just everyone happy and applauding in the day. I love that. And I just think he's done such a good job in all the movies and all these worlds and yaki yaki and everything. It, it, it's so just wonderfully star Wars. And a lot of it comes from folks like him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thoroughly agreed. Um, mm-hmm. I think I'm also just really pumped about the acting. Um, yeah, I think that would be great. Uh, 
I think. Uh, let's it's uh, Daisy Ridley for uh, best actress, uh, best supporting actor, Adam Driver yeah. and Ian McDermott. Hey, yeah, I mean, give every award you can to Ian McDermott, uh, if nothing else, so we can just uh, hear uh, the acceptance speech. Uh, but I just, you know, I think th- the. You know, sometimes uh, I know this is a Saturn Awards, which is for genre stuff. So the odds are better and all that. But I just think uh, genre films, uh, I think one of my biggest frustrations with the way that they are still perceived uh, in awards circles is that some technical things can win, but the acting isn't always rewarded. And, you know, I'm sorry, Mark Hamill deserves 800 oscars for the last jedi in my opinion yeah. uh daisy ridley in, in rise of skywalker i think her performance is one of the reasons that i love the movie so so much i think it's just so complex and nuanced and you know that film is about you know don't be afraid of who you are and it's about ray this finally you know looking in inside herself and uh, not looking for other people to define her, but deciding for herself who she is, you know, and, and she plays all those great emotions of natural leaning towards kindness and helping and uh, just the anger and the frustration, the lashing out of the power and then the fear of the power and then the absolute confidence when she's got her feet uh, beneath her and has decided she gets to decide who she is. All of these complex internal ideas that are the absolute heart of the movie in the end of the Skywalker saga, she is carrying them all off. And it's just, I think it's worthy of recognition. Uh, yeah. Overall, you're so right. I mean, it's just been a, a long held thing of just the genre stuff doesn't get a lot of the awards respect. Uh, uh, and uh, I was talking, we were talking with Scott Mance uh, over on good people uh, association this week. And he's, you know, he's a big star Trek guy, but he's, he's a big fan of empire strikes back just to, you know, who isn't, but he really is a, is a film guy he really is. And we were talking, he's like, you know, Mark Hamill never, it seemed, never got his due for making all that work off a, off a puppet because you can focus on how wonderful Frank Oz is and how that's a big risk. I've, I've talked about it here. You've talked about it here. Of, of, it's a big risk to base the entire second movie, the most popular movie in the world, on a puppet. Um, but Mark Hamill has said, you know, for weeks, I was the only one, only human on the call sheet. And I think Empire, you know, Jedi, Return of the Jedi, good. Everyone's good. Different feel of the movie, different uh, intentions, different goals, I think, of the movie. But Empire is a good last Jedi. So good. And I think this is Daisy's best performance. I think she grew as a performer. This is force awakens being one of her first big roles. I think there's some great moments in last Jedi with her and Adam driver, Adam driver. Obviously he's just, he's, he brings a lot, but I, I just think you're right by rise of Skywalker, particularly stuff on Exegol. I think, I think I always say an actor tells the story with their face, their eyes, and, and there's so much going on. Um, so yeah, I'm glad just, you, you know, it's not a Golden Globe or an Oscar. It, it's a sad award, but it's important, and it, and it, and I think it matters to us as Star Wars fans. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and uh, yeah, so totally agree about uh, Empire that uh, that yeah. Mark Hamill made the Muppet work. <laughs> made the Muppet work indeed. Final story of the day. All right, yeah, here we go. Thro- I got I, that sounded negative. I apologize. I'll go really want to reverse it. Um, Thrawn, greater good expert was released. Um, the greater good is coming out April 27th. Greater good. And this is a part of the Thrawn ascendancy series. Timothy Zahn gets to write all about Thrawn and everyone out there in the Chiss ascendancy. Uh, I, uh, I'll admit Joseph, I, I read it. I looked through it. Um, 
And there you go. What do you think? <laughs> I think that uh, that the, we if both had such a fun and complicated journey with the Thrawn and the Zahn of it all. We always say <laughs> that, you know, uh, well, I'll speak for myself and I think you and I usually agree. Zahn and the Thrawn stories always lean a little bit more to the science fiction part of the the wonderful stew that is uh, uh, Star Wars uh, than the, the space fantasy. Um, and uh, I've been enjoying really just saying that's what it is. And now I accept it for that instead of grumbling about it. And I enjoy these Thrawn books more. Uh, but then it's, it's also fun to just kind of, I, I think you and I try to have a sense of humor about it is there mm-hmm. are absolutely things in this excerpt uh, that intrigue me of like, Ooh, where's, where's the big picture story going to go next. Um, but, yeah. but also just having a sense of humor of like, yep, there's something appealing about the Thrawn books because they are what they are. Yeah. And, you know, it, it is like, do you want to spend some time with space Sherlock Holmes uh, at different stages of his life? Great. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here he is. Uh, there was a sentence in particular. I think this okay. is a, you know, we're in Arlani's head because we don't go into okay. Thrawn's head in these books. Yeah. And Arlani is, you know, figuring out some some space tactics. And there's a sentence. There were tables and balance charts to calculate that sort of thing. <laughs> I, bet, I, I thought you and I were going to highlight the same line because I was going to say when Thrawn responds to Arlani, certainly, Captain Lakenda, if you'll turn 30 degrees to starboard, I believe you draw your attackers into a crossfire, uh, which is uh, what I think of when I think of Thrawn. Yeah, um, I mean, if, if yeah. you like Space Sherlock Holmes drawing uh, people into crossfire by changing degrees, then, you know, that is what uh, a lot of the charm of these books. Yeah, no, look, we, we, we uh, it, you know, despite uh, you and I having reputations of being too positive sometimes with Star Wars, you know, over there at Force Center, they just love everything. Uh, this isn't my favorite stuff, but I'll tell you what, uh, I do love um, what Zahn did with Thrawn in the 90s and kept the flame alive. I've talked about uh, that a lot, and I do love Thrawn. I do love him in Rebels, by the way. I love that he showed up. I think it works. I think it really works. And what I love about the Thrawn stuff, because I know there's a lot of fans of these, uh, the previous uh, new canon Thrawn books, and they're deep and they're philosophical and they ask interesting questions. And and because Thrawn is, is in his own little world, literally in these books now, we're going to really be able to find out a little bit more about what makes him tick. Um, he's kind of a I see him sometimes as a, as a as a good guy, but then you know he works with the Palpatine and there's a, there's there's a lot of stuff there that uh, that I think is worth exploring, and I'm curious to see Thrawn completely on his own in storytelling what that will do, you know, unless Anakin shows up or something. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, for like my hopes for the second book, I really liked the way the first book kind of centered in this trilogy centered the question of who is Thrawn. Uh, does Thrawn himself even fully understand who he is when he's not fully formed and he's kind of wrestling with, you know, why am I good at tactics but not great at understanding uh, individuals and, uh, you know, who who I'm chafing against the way that just ascendancy does things. Why is that? Can I make some peace with that? And um, yeah. And I liked also kind of what it did a little bit with Thrawn and Arlani's relationship of, you know, uh, is this, uh, you know, in some ways it is, it's his most intimate friendship, but does he even yeah. do <laughs> a yeah. full on intimacy? Uh, so I'm, I'm excited to dig into the Thrawn and Arlani relationship. And when I saw that was the excerpt, I was excited about that because that's one of the things that I think is uh, most uh, interesting uh, about Thrawn's story right now. I do agree with that. And well, we will definitely take, take a look. 
Um, we love this wide variety of Star Wars stories out there. And uh, The Greater Good arrives April 27th. Our discussion will probably be a little bit after that, but uh, look for it and we look forward to diving on in. All right, that's a look at Star Wars news right now. So for the <laughs> nine-picture Ryan Johnson movie franchise under Star Wars that was announced today or whatever, um, we'll see, we'll see. Uh, we'll get to the news next week if it breaks. Uh, before we uh, take a quick break, we're going to do our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. And, Joseph, once again, it's a little homework to get you prepared. Yeah, that's exactly right. I hope uh, the news breaks about the Ryan Johnson trilogy, and I think it'd be great if someone named Ryan Jackson was suddenly making a trilogy <laughs> I just, as I just well. Heard. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll realize that we're in the Berenstein Bears uh, universe with the different. Uh, anyway, the thing we're recommending this week is Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. It's another High Republic book. Uh, we are going to be talking about it uh, this coming Thursday this week. Real excited to dig in. So if you haven't had a chance to absorb the book yet and you like to listen on audio, we suggest checking out Into the Dark by Claudia Gray. Check it out and download your free audiobook today at audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free audiobook. All right, we'll take a quick break, reset, and come back with your questions here on Force Center. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at Jennifer Landa and on TikTok as Jennifer Landa 1138 Welcome back to Force Center. We're still on the uh, command deck of our ship news and cues. And Joseph, uh, it's time to bring in the Q Warriors. That's right. We're going to adjust our Q cannons 30 degrees, and we're going to try to share some thoughts here. We always take uh, two questions from Twitter and two questions from our great patrons on Patreon. We'll go to Twitter first. Uh, Derek Norris asks, or says, says and asks, Snoke. Is he sentient? Just a cast of a body that Sidious puppets through? Did Palpatine create him? Why so many clones? Either he's super hubristic in his throne room death scene, or Sidious is toying with Ren to kill him, so he falls further down the dark path. Uh, So Derek's got a great summary of what we don't know yet, which is... What's the deal with Snoke? Which would be a great uh, Saturday Night Live sketch <laughs> of a game show set inside the Star Wars galaxy. But I think is is one of my favorite questions that currently uh, we have been given as as David Lynch would call it, room to dream. We don't know the concrete answers. We can look at little bits of evidence we have and and use our intuition or just have fun speculating. So for you, where do you go with? Uh, with the little bits of information we have, uh, including whether or not you consider, you know, in the Mandalorian, are they are they working on Snoke's body? Do you think that's what's happening? That that's a big piece of this puzzle of whether you agree that yeah, I think they're uh, developing Snoke, or like yeah, maybe. Uh, what what is important to you, Ken? What kind of picture do you want to emerge of who Snoke is? Ooh, that's a dangerous question. What's important to me? Uh, because what is I'm still going on the idea that Snoke is somewhat his own person. So a clone, a body, a series of bodies, something, you know, 
Did they try to, let's take a soul and put it in another body and then we can try that on our old buddy Sheev. Uh, is it something related to that? Is it uh, someone cloned and the the bodies you know just simply in the old science fiction uh, terms or even the attack the clone terms of just it's a clone from someone from steve snoke a guy they uh, picked up along the way um i don't know but i i kind of want it to be him to be his, his his own person as much as possible for me um but i love the idea that regardless or, or, or maybe not the reason I want that, Joseph, might be because I just like the idea that that someone he is Snoke is someone or something that thought he was getting from something from Sidious, a la Dooku, and, and perhaps you know perhaps he's born in the dark side, whatever it is. Um, but I just like the idea that he thought he was getting something and then he didn't, and that he was a tool to work with Kylo or seduce Kylo and, and seduce Ben. But but he thought maybe he and good old Palpatine would would rule the galaxy as friend and friend yeah no i like that i like that idea of like what it what is the relationship that uh snoke and palpatine could have had i think for me I, what i really like about the idea of snoke is that the possibility that he is a puppet who doesn't know he's a puppet um mm-hmm. i don't i'm more intrigued by that than uh, yeah, every word that we heard Snoke say in Force Awakens and Last Jedi is, you know, literally uh, Palpatine and he's <laughs> like, a, 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 you know, a, a dummy. It's like great, amazing force ventriloquism <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. across the vast chasm of space. I like the idea, you know, I, I'm kind of leaning towards I, I feel like that's what they're going toward in yeah, yeah. Mandalorian, that they're using Grogu's uh, midi chlorians to try to uh, create a clone uh, that it, that does have an attachment to the force that they're trying mm-hmm. to clone a body that actually can uh, have this uh, unnatural connection uh, to the dark side. I think uh, I like the story that Palpatine needs uh, someone who is not him. I think he learned his lesson with, hey, you know, um, when I corrupted Anakin, I did it over a long period of time by pretending to be this sympathetic figure uh, before I let the dime drop. And then I just got cocky and tried to, you know, do the same thing, but real, real, real quick with Luke. And that one didn't work out. I yeah. need a a figure, a sympathetic figure. And this is very much the way uh, uh, Snoke is written in that great uh, Charles uh, Soul uh, comic book, yeah. Ky- Rise of Kylo Ren the sympathetic figure who is just presenting Kylo Ren with a different point of view. And look, I've been injured and hunted by Luke Skywalker. So I guess he doesn't believe all about peace. And I guess he's afraid of you, Ben. And I guess he's holding you back from discovering your true self. That's too bad. And uh, this figure who can do all that in person with authenticity is Mm -hmm. so valuable to Palpatine's uh, corruption of Ben. So Mm -hmm. I like the idea that, that Snoke was, he's a clone he's been physically manipulated to uh be able to to manipulate uh, the force himself and maybe snoke sometimes hears whispering from palpatine but he just thinks that's the dark side and snoke thinks he is the mm-hmm. master uh because i think in last jedi that is absolutely snoke's hubris uh mm-hmm. that gets him killed uh by kylo ren mm-hmm. and i think i to me it makes perfect sense that Snoke is this needed sympathetic figure to to turn Ben and and train him in the dark side. And then from Palpatine's perspective, even better if 
Kylo Ren can entirely prove himself by slaughtering Snoke. He doesn't really lose anything, and it's a good test for Kylo. And I think that's, in, in my current headcanon, uh, that's what happens in The Last Jedi. Yeah, and I, you know, I know, I know in Rise of Skywalker, we got, we got Palpatine saying, I've, you know, I've been every voice in, inside your head, and and that could be that it could be very, very literal, or it could be part of the the manipulation of, of, of Snoke as well. And and I like the why that you've provided there. Just why do you need Snoke to be someone of his own person? I like glad you mentioned that comic book. It's it's a really interesting take on Snoke, right? It was it was plus that weird hair or hat he's got. I don't know what's going on. Um, <laughs> and that, that space station that they're on factors into upcoming conversations in the High Republic. Um, and, and and there's just some. Something powerful now again because uh, because I, I think um, I'm gonna say that it contradicts contradicts itself but uh, but we always say everything a character says isn't facts but the idea of Palpatine I, I don't think he was well enough all these years or or whole enough you know maybe his soul his mind and his words but to reach across the galaxy and control Snoke's every thoughts and every move. I, I don't know if I buy into that from Palpatine. That might be a lie he's trying to sell Kylo too in that moment. Uh, and making him doubt everything about the connection he had with good old Snoke. Um, so there's some some stuff going on there, but but also to the point of what you're saying of just Snoke uh, and Snoke himself not fully realizing because it, it you know it just is powerful in that way to me. Yeah, yeah, and that goes to the whole you know uh, the idea of somebody like like Dooku, like you're saying of like if Snoke is absolutely a clone, absolutely created. By Palpatine, uh, sometimes Palpatine himself whispers uh, to Ben in the voice of Snoke once they've made that bond, or maybe that's Snoke whispering to him at times. But all of it still all leads back to Palpatine, regardless of whenever we get the sort of specifics. It all leads back to Palpatine, regardless. Yeah, and again, at the end of the day, we just don't know the full story yet, and I think one day we will. Not uh, yeah. not in the immediate future. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's what will be announced later today. Yes. <laughs> the Snoke story coming soon. All right, we'll move on to our next question. Thank you, Derek. That's a really fun one uh, to to examine and to think about of the, what's the deal with Snoke. Uh, for now, we're going to move on to a new question from Connor Targaryen. What do you think Grogu's first words will be? Now, Ken, I think we discussed this before the second season of The Mandalorian, expecting that we were going to hear an amazing moment of that first uh, sentence. Yeah. It's a much different question now and much more complicated of uh, even if uh, we might have strong opinions about what Grogu's first word might be, uh, they might be uh, at Luke's training. <laughs> yeah. During Luke's training and uh, and we don't get to hear them or they're, they're not to Din or maybe Grogu will take a vow of silence until <laughs> Din comes back into his life. What are you feeling now, now that we know this other part of, of Grogu's story that he did part uh, with Din and went yeah. off with Jedi Master Luke Skywalker? Yeah, I can't even remember specifically what we've predicted. I, I hope then, just as I hope now, that it, his first words are actually Mando. Um, but we'll <laughs> see. I, I don't know. And then the question of does he speak like Yoda? That's a big one. We've talked about that, too. So I, I think it might be something around uh, either a powerful proclamation. He's returning to help or returning with a purpose. So. Might it be a returned I have or I have returned? I also love uh, a message or something being sent um, and then having it and whether or not we see the direct communication, whether it's a whole recording or something, or something along the lines of uh, miss you, dad. I miss you, dad. Miss you, I do. Um, mm, I, I can take nice. something of that. Nice. Yeah. I kind of think that we might not see on screen his first words. I, I still think uh, uh, 
eat might be one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, din or, you know, Dada, even if he's not with them, he might say his name. Uh, no. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he does uh, seem to still have, you know, some some anger and control issues. Mine. <laughs> uh, the, that's all a possibility. There's something I really liked. I went to the same place as you of like for what we, the audience might hear. Yeah. You know, a, a close to fully formed sentence, you know, if he if the next time Din sees him, you know, if the Mandalorian continues and and he Grogu gets uh, trained up a little bit and Mando goes to visit him and he's there in a little Jedi robe and says, you know, thank you. I do, you know, for your yeah. care, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be sweet. Yeah. Wouldn't that be nice? I think it would. I think it would be miss you or thank you. Right. It would have yeah. to be something like that. Yeah, again, I'm trying to think, you know, it's like, it's hard to predict. It's such a, there's so many questions about what happens uh, with him and Luke, obviously, which makes it so wonderful and tantalizing and why we can't wait to hear more. But so I hope it's, I hope it's that. I hope it's sweet. Yeah. 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 I I really hope it's, uh, it is, it is, uh, very, very kind and, and very, uh, a good connection between, uh, Din and Grogu, um, (laughs) and not something too. Maybe he'll be a, a snarky uh, teen by the time. Oh, is that, yeah, that's good. Again. Is it that? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and he'll just give uh, Mando some some crap for something. Like, hey, mm-hmm. hey, remember when I almost was uh, devoured by that sea creature? Thanks, Dad. <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> we hope for miss you or thank you. Uh, great question, Connor. We're going to move on to our questions from our patrons on Patreon. This one comes from Alden Diaz. Uh, this one's got a, a little bit of ideas behind it before we get to the big question, which we absolutely encourage. Uh, so here we go. Alden says, hey, guys, let's talk about force visuals. Light of the Jedi beautifully describes how many of the Jedi characters experience the depth of the force in ways that fit their personalities, interests, backgrounds, etc. Avar Chris experiences a song. Bryaga sees himself as part of a great tree and so on and so forth. So the question is twofold. How do you feel some previously established characters would visually experience the Force, people we know and love from the Skywalker era? Maybe Luke sees the Lars homestead, hence the twin sons when he dies. And the second part, how would you yourselves or those close to you experience it? Uh, Does Joseph see a sold-out comedy show? Does Ken see a sprawling epic fantasy map? Does Jennifer see a massive crafting project with colors and materials? Uh, What about your partners and family? I find it fun to think about for myself and those around me. It's really added a new flavor to Star Wars. Thanks. Thank you, Alden. Uh, Yeah, I think that was one of my favorite parts of the light of the Jedi is for us to truly uh, experience uh, the different ways the Jedi see the Force to to have it be this actual, literal, visceral thing that it's not just a a feeling, it's not just energy that they they visualize it was one of my Mm -hmm. favorite parts. Uh, so let's let's dive in. I think when we did our Light of the Jedi review, we talked a little bit about how we might see it. But mm-hmm. let's start with the first part of Alden's question. How do you think other characters that we already know from the Skywalker era uh, might see it? And Alden kind of touched on it with, with Luke. Uh, going to Luke, uh, um, I don't know what you think, Joseph, but like the, the image of burning suns is so powerful. I'm growing up on Tatooine, but I just see him connecting to the warmth of it all. Um, mm. and, and that's part of, uh, you know, beyond just the visual, but the actual feeling, um, almost like he is standing in the sun and, and kind of feeling the light side around him and all the hopes and possibilities and all of the purposes that he can uh, find within that. I, I kind of like that kind of visual it works for me, both at the beginning of the story and at the end of the story. 
Yeah, no, I love what you're saying about feeling the the not oppressive heat, but just the the constant warmth, the comfortable mm-hmm. warmth. Uh, that's a great way to just feel like that's, is that what the light side feels like, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. is just uh, feeling warm. I think for me, there's something, uh, there's definitely the suns themselves, uh, mm-hmm. as you and, and Alden say, which I think is so spot on. But I wonder if there's something about connecting it to this uh, fundamental truth of Luke that connects all the way through from A, a New Hope to The Last Jedi of his his mind and his soul and his vision is always a little bit on the horizon and mm-hmm. i wonder if that's a little bit of how he sees the force it's not always about looking to what's next but he spent his childhood looking up at the stars and dreaming and you know does he see the force as you know celestial objects mm-hmm. you know uh, mm-hmm. working in concert or colliding and you know moving together and pulling apart and being affected by the gravity of one another there's something to me that that is embraces that there's this part of Luke who's always staring at the horizon that that's a part of the way that he would see the force. Mm, yeah. 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 I like that a lot. I, I think he ought to be okay with that. Wouldn't have to bonk him on the head for that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think I, Yoda, I think just sees Dagobah. I think this is it. Oh right? yeah. Mud, <laughs> rain. Mud, rain. Yeah. Whatever, whatever, uh, his home planet, uh, Yothan is like, yeah, yeah. Not confirmed. Just, you know, a thing we're throwing out there. Do you have thoughts on other Jedi? Well, clearly Kenobi just sees a wall of uh, top shelf liquor. He just <laughs> a world of possibilities to pour into his drink. Um, I'll say this. Um, I uh, Leia, uh, without a doubt, inspired greatly from uh, The Last Jedi. I, I just wonder if she kind of sees it all a galaxy of stars and her place in all of it, her place in the universe and many, many eras, areas of possibilities uh, to help and to plug in and to float to and to move to and to be one with just kind of see her literally floating in the stars like she was. Oh, and wow. Do it out there like that. Yeah. I also like that. Cause it's just like a cosmic version of, you know, the strategy boards to which she is so often literally physically mm-hmm. looking at, you know, mm-hmm. and, and those strategy boards to me are cool because they take something that is extremely cosmic and intuitive and make it a, physical reality that has to be dealt with. And I, I love that perspective on Leia uh, mm-hmm. that is brought up in uh, the Rise of Skywalker novelization of like, she is absolutely intuitive. She can absolutely feel all these things and connect to all these things across the stars, but she's also been somebody who's always had to deal with. It can't be philosophy for me. It has to be translated into physically what is needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How do I respond? You know? So there's something about that. That's really cool to me. Um, mm-hmm. For me, I think Obi-Wan, uh, I really like the idea that he feels it almost as uh, the Force is like uh, an extremely complicated uh, conversation uh, mm-hmm. at a dinner table or around the bar, you know, like that he would almost perceive it as, you know, emotions and conversations and, you know, all those different points of view, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. That I love that that's been built up in his character, that he truly does process things that way, that it's almost like he can feel that, you know, this uh, person on this end of the table is their, their mind is never going to change and he can feel the doubt in this other person and he can feel the, the bone on me and the connection between these two people who are raising a glass that there's something interesting to me about that. Love that. See, it, 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 it's not a joke. It's Obi-Wan and drinking. It's a good thing. (laughs) Exactly. Last one for me that I thought of is, uh, is Ben Solo. Okay. I love how much, uh, water imagery is so important to, uh, the sequel trilogy and I think the dyad of Ray and Ben. 
I think Ben just sees it. Uh, the force is just monstrous waves, just huge crushing waves that he's either going to be crushed by or he is going to direct to crush other people. I think it's, you know, there's so much in his story that is about how he deals with the fact that he has this enormous power and, you know, do people love him for it? Do people fear him for it? Do they need him to use it a specific way? I feel like he would see the force as just this massively powerful thing that that is his to direct. Mm, that's great because I went with Ray and I put down the elements. Um, pouring rain, wind, earth, wind, and fire. Great band, but also a great way to view the force. Pouring wind, uh, pouring rain, wind, the cold, the sun. I am fascinated by every little beat where Ray, even up through Rise of Skywalker, is still sometimes that, uh, you know, little uh, little girl on Jakku left alone or the scavenger scum as the galaxy viewed her on this faraway planet, uh, Ray from nowhere. And that, you know, every time she puts her, her hands at, and feels the rain or looks at all the green in the world and and sees the joy and the, the culture of the, the Aki Aki Festival, uh, I just kind of see her connecting to the force that way too, of, of uh, becoming part of the story and everything that it is. And so she can just kind of see herself looking out at just uh, all the elements that are there for her to touch. Oh yeah. I love that. I think that's absolutely great. Uh, so let's, let's move on then to uh, how we see it ourselves. And we talked about a little bit on, on uh, our light of the Jedi review with, uh, with Alex from star Wars explained yeah. Uh, but I'm curious if you've been having uh, new thoughts about the way you would see it or the way other people, uh, as I'll ask other people in your life, how they would see it. Where do you go with that? I mean, Grace would just see it as a bunch of TikTok videos of animals, just connecting <laughs> to the pure joy of uh, all the animals in the world. And what the, is the dark side version of uh, uh, animals on TikTok? Just uh, rage, just rage. A lot of red, red hair and red <laughs> sabers and rage. Um for me, what I went with now, it's funny. Yeah, we did talk about it. Uh, and Alden's uh, the, the map. I love my maps, but I love, uh, you know, the, the hours I just stare at the Red Dead Redemption 2 map going, do I want to go back to Strawberry today or Valentine? I don't know. <laughs> uh, that would work. Um, but for me, for you know, a little bit of, of what I am, uh, good and bad, uh, of uh, sometimes a, a stoic uh, but a steady rock. I, I almost will see us a, a lighthouse in the storm on uh, some sort of... Uh, uh, you know, uh, coast there, uh, being there, shining out. I, I'm, I'm here if you need me. I'll guide you through. But also, I can't be moved. So maybe come help me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that is a that is a great idea. That I that is it a weakness or a strength that you are strong? Mm -hmm. You are rooted in place, and your purpose is to help people. Right. So that's all sounds like good stuff. But then also, are you, you know, you're wrestling with, should I be rooted in this one place? Yeah. Yeah. I'm a guiding light, but should I also be more? So, yeah, that's how I could kind of see it there. And it's, and it's entirely, a lot of what I love about the high Republic so far is, is uh, analyzing, looking and even questioning uh, some of the ways you see or use the force or have been told about it. And I, I love some of those type of things. So, yeah, that would, that's my answer right now. Yeah, such a great picture. I also, I also think for the the High Republic has been doing such a good job of asking itself this question of, well, who are the Jedi at the height of their power? Well, then that means there is a mix of certainty and a mix of questioning because that's, you know, the ideal. Uh, and, you know, the prequel areas, era stories are, are often a little bit too much rigidity. So I love that idea of, of questioning it and, and picturing it. Um, I think for myself, uh, 
my wife would absolutely see it as dance. My wife is a, is a dancer. Uh, there is something very force-like uh, when she talks about movement and just kind of needing it on an intuitive level of uh, needing to let, uh, let the, the, this energy and this motion, uh, uh, the power of the galaxy be translated into a uh, modern dance and ballet and, and tap dancing. Uh, she's a great dancer. Uh, and I hope to see her, uh, not just picturing uh, it as a force, but actually dancing again soon. Um, mm-hmm. I, when we did the review, I talked about uh, gesture drawing, which is the kind of uh, drawing I did in uh, in art school, uh, where it, it isn't trying to actually do like lifelike representations or even abstract artistic uh, renderings. It's just a model changes poses a bunch, and you just try to capture the actual physical movement of the body. Of mm-hmm. you know, is all the energy planted down in the feet? Is the energy arcing up from the back and coming out the left hand? Is all the energy actually about you know coming up through the neck and in, in, into the head? You know, and it is. It, it's a very fast, intuitive kind of drawing, but it is still about like let's strip, strip away all of everything else and kind of see uh, what the real intent in the moment is of the other, other humans around you. So I still like that. Uh, But I like what Alden brings up about, uh, about a sold out comedy show, which is great uh, because, you know, in comedy shows there is light and there is darkness. Hmm. Uh, But there's also that that's to me, uh, I've talked a lot on four center about the way that was probably my first big, uh, understanding of the depth of Star Wars is connecting it to my own uh, artistic pursuits of you know, drawing and, and drumming and uh, acting and, and writing and all that. But comedy in particular, you know, yeah. it was real powerful to to think about and realize how important that sort of intuitive force-like flow is to me um, of that I always think of performing, uh, particularly comedy, all performing, but really comedy is a a dance with the audience, right? There's so much that you, you can't, uh, you can't express. You just need to feel you, you know, you, you get the concrete information when the audience laughs, but even within that you're analyzing what kind of laugh exactly. Why did they laugh? If I do a little tag like this, will that bring more laughter? What is the exact right moment? You're riding these waves of energy Mm -hmm. and you are and it's a conversation, right? There's, there's, uh, I know there are some comedians uh, that I have talked to and uh, I think they see this w- things this way because these are the words they've used to describe it to me. So I could be wrong, but like there can be that perception if you're performing, you're doing something to the audience. You are making mm-hmm. them laugh and it's a one-way street. Yeah. Uh, and for me, it's always been a back and forth. Like, of course, it is my responsibility to generate uh, the laugh, but I can generate the best laughs if I'm listening to the audience and feeling uh, yeah. their mood and even being literally aware of, is this a, a show where uh, food is being served? Did they just eat? Is yeah. it really cold in the building? You know, it just like really, really being aware and feeling the audience too. So I think uh, what, what Alden's question made me see is I think I have been thinking of, uh, of comedy as the force for a long time. <laughs> I, it's beautiful. And well said, you also described what it's like to work a pro wrestling match too. If listen to the audience telling you what they want, um, but also telling your story. Uh, no, beautiful, wonderful. And I, 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 because I'm listening to you, I'm like, you're so right. Too bad. I'm often at war with the audience. I must, <laughs> I must refocus. <laughs> I think that is the that's the dark side, right? That's when it yeah. becomes we, comedy can become adversarial, and I think sometimes people choose to approach it that way. I think sometimes through no fault of your own. Um, uh, I've had some some gigs where just like wow, we are just 
we're uh this is you know a different community than i normally perform for and we are on different wavelengths and can i get to your wavelength and it's easy yeah. to very quickly become the like all right let's fight audience <laughs> oh yeah, yeah and i know some comedians that is their shtick and if it's their shtick then they know exactly what they're doing in in you know, it is the light side disguises the dark. And I think sometimes it is just the dark side of like, I am here to feel yeah. powerful by making you laugh. And <laughs> I'm going to do that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For me, you know what it be for me? It's never been that it to me it is it is the fear it is to become so a war with the audience when I when I let the fear of it all dominate me, which which especially in early years of stand up comedy, not to get philosophical in comedy. I was I was so fearful of being who I was or, or trying to connect and tell my story on stage that uh, I turned the audience into the enemy. So there you go. Spiritual yeah. force stuff from comedy. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you can project through the comedy force, uh, through the funny, uh, the, the cosmic force that is the funny that, hey, uh, I trust that you're going to laugh. So I'm going to come across as confident and you're going to trust me that I'm going to make you laugh. Then we'll all have fun. Yeah. yeah. And if not, here comes the dark side. Uh, anyway, great question, Alden. Thank you uh, for for letting us deep dive into our lighthouse and stand-up comedy experience. Yes. <laughs> from TikTok to dance, all sorts of great thoughts. We're going to move on to our final question uh, from Joshua Thorne. What do you think was R2-D2's reaction to receiving a transmission from Master Luke, but it turned out to be Ray in his old ship? Did R2 think Luke could actually still be alive for a split second? Where do you go with this, Ken? This is great. This is a great question, Joshua. It's also kind of a dark thought. And it's also stuff I love. This is when I sometimes have to remind myself, especially over the last three, four years in, in Star Wars fandom, where I got to, hey, Ken, it's okay to have a little fun with Star Wars too. Uh, poke a little fun, but also just out of a, a, a loving point of view. This little point in the movie could very easily be a, I don't know, like a robot chicken style sketch, right? Of just R2 going, hey, hey, man, it's, is it Luke? No. Uh, and I could see him being a little confused or a little hurt, a little poor. And it makes me go poor R2. But I'll tell you what, beyond all that, I think R2 knew. I think he knew it was Ray. I think he understood. I don't, I'm not saying R2 is force sensitive, but he just knew Luke so well, knew what was going on, and just kind of knew that this was, this was the next chapter. R2 did a better job at accepting the next generation than many other people I know even. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that might've been part of it. Is he bombed? Does he want to be, is he excited? Does he think, yeah, yeah, maybe he does. But I think in his heart, in his droid heart, whatever your version of that is to you, that he, he knows, uh, he knew it would, it would have been Ray and, and it should be Ray. Yeah. Yeah. I think this is a great question. It, it all, there's always this fun question of how much does R2D2 know in terms of yeah, just yeah. whole cold, hard facts, which it would appear a lot. Uh, and then how much does he understand the relationships between organics? You know, does he know that he could have, or maybe should have piped up to Luke and gone, mm -hmm. Hey, you know, I've been here before this Dagobah place. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, like I totally know this, uh, this, this jerk Luke. Uh, this jerk uh, Yoda, uh, jerk from his perspective, since they just had the fight. Yeah. Um, those questions are are always fun. Uh, but I, yeah, I think I go to the way R2 made the choice to communicate with Luke on Octo, which uh, suggested a, a level of understanding of uh, emotion that he chose to play the old message for Luke, knowing that it's something that would motivate Luke toward action. Uh, and I think R2 knows that that 
X-Wing is there, right? I mean, I think, what what book is it? I think it's a, um, I can't remember uh, it, which book it's in. Uh, it's either Leia or Padme, and I apologize, I can't remember, where like, R2 is left alone, so he started scanning the hell out of everything around him, which he does whenever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have anything better to do, and I just love that picture of R2 where he's always like, all right, what's going on? I'm going to know the most, so I'm prepared. So there's, to, to my mind, he knows that ship is there, and that ship, yeah. I think R2 sees that ship, uh, the way I do is it is a symbol of Luke's choice to disengage. Mm-hmm. And I think whatever else R2 understands when he sees that ship flying again, sees that code that he probably, you know, that transmission he probably installed uh, on it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, when he sees it in flight, he knows it, the spirit of it is that Luke has encouraged not hiding, but, getting involved in and mm-hmm. taking action and helping people. Mm. Yeah. That little R2, that little droid. The droid who knew too much and said so little. Yeah. Oh. And I think maybe that is uh, some of the charm ultimately between uh, 3PO and R2, that 3PO is the one who is allegedly, you know, an expert in human cyborg relationships. And R2 is a, uh, is a little bit better at understanding the organics maybe. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So great great question, uh, Joshua. Great question, Alden, uh, Connor, and Derek. Sorry, my my, uh, sleep. uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) I almost said a naughty word. (laughs) My sheet slipped. Excellent. Uh, I'm ready to get back live on stage again. Talk about all that sheet slipping. Uh, But those are our questions. Thank you, everyone. Everyone being Josh, Alden, Connor, and Derek. I did it. It's okay. Ryan Jackson really enjoys your uh, comedy. <laughs> He's the director of uh, Knives In. Um, all right. Uh, this has uh, been a fun episode. Uh, fun stuff, deep stuff. It's what we do here on Four Center, episode 304 in the books. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Four Center Pod. Uh, we are on Instagram, YouTube as well. Facebook page is Four Center Podcast. We're available on Anchor, iHeartRadio, Apple uh, Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and now Amazon Music. Uh, and uh, Spotify as well. Uh, some stuff going on over there. Uh, Spotify, which now owns Anchor. I'll look for some uh, perhaps uh, cool things uh, coming your way. Uh, tpublic.com slash user slash force center is uh, where you can buy merch. And Patreon is available at patreon.com slash force center if you want to support us directly there. Uh, it is uh, once again time to, for me to focus on the St. Baldrick's organization. Mentioned them recently, but in March, St. Baldrick's at stbaldrick's.org. They help uh, fight childhood cancers. They got a big event, a shave event coming. Uh, our friend uh, over at the Feeding the Monster podcast, Jeff Saunders, uh, is involved with that. He's also um, in the medical field, a nurse who works with uh, children with childhood cancer. So uh, I am supporting them right now. And uh, you can get more information by going to stbaldrick's.org. You can also follow me and link to them from my website at kennapsock.com uh, or follow me at kennapsock. Joseph. Yeah, great, great ideas, uh, including following you and supporting that charity, uh, supporting <laughs> that organization, that movement. Uh, for myself, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can check out my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for all my other comedy adventures. Uh, I think my wife and I on our uh, our podcast, Obsessed, are going to be talking uh, WandaVision, which I'm really excited to because I really, really liked some of the big ideas and some of the fun stuff uh, in that show as well. So you can always find a link to Obsessed Podcast on my website at josephscrimshaw.com. Uh, and final thing for me, I continue to suggest 
the service resist bot. You can get it uh, on your phone. You can text. You can tweet. You can uh, go to their website. Uh, just put resist bot in all the searching places. It's just a great, fast way to let your reps know what you care about, which I think is really important right now. Absolutely is a lot of things out there to get plugged into. Thank you all for letting us tell uh, tell you where we're plugged in, uh, and also for sharing all of our Star Wars thoughts and uh, foibles, and for uh, Ryan Jackson and the movie series he's about to shoot, and all of us here at Force Center. Thank you so much. This was Force Center. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.